we glorify your name. We do pray for just a, a massive move of your spirit across this land. That hearts will be brought to you, Jesus. That hearts will be awakened to your goodness, to your grace, to your love. That hearts will be soft, God. God, that we would be just that we would see your kingdom come in power. That we would see your will be done. God, that, that hearts would be um, fully surrendered to you. And I pray for, for us as, as your people that we would be filled with peace, that we would not worry, that we would not look to the left or to the right, but that our eyes would be firmly focused on you, Jesus, our King of kings and Lord of lords, and that you would fill us with peace. And I thank you, God, that, that, that for that promise that is all throughout Scripture, that as we cast our cares on you, as we, we give you like our, our desires and we pour out our requests before you, God, I thank you that you fill us with a peace that surpasses all understanding in Christ Jesus. And so I'm asking, God, that, that you would fill us this morning, that you would help us to be people who seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, and then trust that everything else will be added to it. Father, we thank you and we praise you that you are faithful, that you are our refuge, that you are the one who hides us in the shadow of your almighty wings. Thank you that there's no place on this entire planet, entire universe that we can go that is apart from your spirit. That is apart from you, that, that if we were the, the, the lowest low, God, you're there. If, you're the, if we're on the highest mountain, you are there. So thank you for your presence. And I just pray um, specifically for Jeremy. God, would your presence surround him right now? I ask that you would just get a hold of his heart, that you would awaken him again to the love that you have for him. I pray for provision for him, his life, a place to, to live as he gets out this week. God, but most of all, just uh, may your spirit just penetrate his heart in Jesus' name. And we thank you for the ways that we see you moving and working. We thank you for just uh, providing for all those joy jars. God, thank you. We praise you for the love and compassion that has been poured out. And also, God, I just pray against fear in our lives and in other people's lives, that we would be people who walk in the abundant faith that you want us to walk in. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So the um, last week we started in this journey in Hebrews, and chapter one is kind of an interesting chapter. And uh, I just really encourage you to, to be reading through Hebrews, to be following that plan. There's a lot of different uh, verses that it points to uh, throughout Scripture. If you don't have a reading plan, that's a good one uh, to follow. But one of the things about Hebrews one is there is this awe-inspiring description of Jesus. And it's absolutely amazing, you know, that when it talks about who Jesus is, that he is our creator, he's our sustainer in life, he's the one who purified us from all sins. He's the one who is seated on the throne at the right hand of the Father. It's just this huge, awe-inspiring description of Jesus. But, but the thing that, that I actually wrestled with, though, in Hebrews 1, is there is no practical application of what to do with that. The writer writes, uh, you know, all of this in chapter one, but there's not like, all right, go do this, which my tendency is like, just tell me what to go do. But one of the things that I've realized in life is that when I'm faced with problems and when I'm faced with challenges, I don't know if the thing that I need the most is something to do. I just need a greater revelation of Jesus and who he is and where is he at work in our lives and my life. And so when it comes to, you know, um, following Jesus, I think the thing that helps us the most is a greater revelation of Jesus. And when we look at our problems, when we look at the things going on in our world, 
Getting a proper perspective of Jesus puts everything else in perspective. And I think of the book of Revelation. It's written to a group of people who were uh, in the midst of persecution. And what does God give them? He doesn't give them like, all right, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. I mean, he gives that a little bit, but he gives them this amazing picture of the current status of who Jesus is. That he's on the throne, that he's reigning and ruling. And that's what we need to be reminded of this morning. That Jesus is on the throne. That he's seated at the right hand of the Father. That he's not freaking out, pacing back and forth, but he's got it under control. And that's frankly what I needed to remember at 1030 in the morning on Friday. When I get a text that, oh yeah, I, I can't make it this Sunday. Okay, Jesus, you got it under control. You're already working in Nate's life. You're working on Marlene's life. You're working in Noah's life. You know, we'll, we'll figure this out. And it's not that we'll figure it out. You already have it figured out. We just have to be awakened to the plan that he has. And so we just need a greater revelation of who Jesus is in our lives. And the temptation is, like I said last week, is to think that we know everything about Jesus. And every day we have to grow in our revelation of who Jesus is. And so this morning I want to move on to Hebrews 2. And there was an interesting verse that really caught my attention this week, and I was thinking I was going to share something else, but I couldn't get past Hebrews 2, verse 1. And this is the first of five warnings that we're going to see in the book of Hebrews. See, in the book of Hebrews, the writer writes, and then he says, hey, here's a warning. And this is the first warning that we will see. And so look at Hebrews 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. We're mainly going to be in the first verse of Hebrews 2. So the writer says this, Therefore, in light of what you had heard about Jesus, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by the angels provided to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. And the verse that hit me this week was, we must pay attention, much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. And there is this, this warning, like this urgency in this voice of the writer saying, we must pay closer attention. Like, really close attention. And I love how the author puts himself in this. It's not like, hey, church, you need to pay close attention. But he includes himself. He says, we all need to pay very close attention. Because we're all part of the body of Christ. I'm up here. I might be sharing a couple of things. But I'm not higher than anyone else. And you're not higher than anyone else. We are all in this together. And we all have this temptation to kind of drift away, and I'll get to that in a little bit. But, and so the author saying, we all, all of us may pay, may, must pay very close attention. And throughout this, um, this verse, a lot of words that are used here are, are words that have to do with a nautical theme, like boating. And so really, like, the, what he's talking about here is like paying close attention. It, it made me think of the show um, Deadliest Catch. Is it still on? Like Deadliest Catch, has anybody watched that show? It is still on? Thanks, Mom. Uh, Deadliest Catch, I used to watch it uh, a little bit more years ago. And uh, Deadliest Catch follows these people who go crab fishing in Alaska on the Bering Sea. And they go out in the middle of winter, and there's ice on their boats, and it's cold. And, like, that just sounds miserable. Uh, but they can make just a ton of money, and so they go uh, risk their lives, and they go do this. And once in a while, there's a storm that will come up on the Bering Sea, and there will be, be hurricane force winds, and the boat will be forced 
to pull into a harbor. Ellie, you can show that picture. It's a cool picture. Uh, but these waves will come up. And so these boats will be forced to pull into this, these harbors and uh, in order to be safe as these storms go by. And I remember this one scene uh, when this boat was being pulled into this harbor. You think, oh, it just has to go into this little channel and then it's going to be safe. But there was this one scene where the, the captain of the boat was, was freaking out and yelling at his men because the, the, the most dangerous part was the entrance to the harbor. Because it was there was rocks on the left and the right, and there was just this little channel that they had to go through. And so this captain of the boat was he was yelling at people. He was white knuckling on the the wheel or whatever, and he was so focused. This is what that verse is talking about. We must be that focused. We must pay that close of attention to what we've heard to Jesus that we see in Hebrews one. We must be that focused in our lives as we go throughout our lives. Because he says, what else happens? If we're not paying that close attention, if we're not focused like that captain who's going through the channel, if we're not focused having our eyes so fixated on Jesus, he says, we drift. Lest you drift away. And there's another nautical term. We drift away. What does it mean to drift? Kind of float along. And I don't, I've never driven a boat. I know some of you have driven a boat. But what I've seen and what I've heard is that a powerless boat on a sea that looked like that is not in a good situation. You don't want to be drifting in the midst of a sea that's being tossed left and right. Because if you are, if you're being just drifting along powerless, this is what can happen to your boat. You can run up on the shore. Even a big, powerful vessel can rub up on the rocks as it's being tossed to the left and to the right. And the thing that I think the author of Hebrews is saying, and the thing that is, is a warning for us today, is that drifting is deadly. If we're drifting through life, if we're coasting through life, it is deadly. There's this warning. We don't want to be people who drift away. And so the picture that I want to have in mind, we have this drifting picture, but also this picture of just floating, floating in our lives. Now, Jeff Lucas got me this nice tube. <laughs> now, how many of you like tubing down a river? You know, tubing down a river is fun. You know, you're just sitting in, in your, your, your raft, your pink raft, or your pink tube, and you're just kind of floating down the river. Maybe with a, an iced tea in your hand, maybe some snacks on another tube, and you're really just Kind of, it's up to the river at the pace that you're going to go. It's up to the river to decide where you're going to go. And you're just floating along or drifting along. Here's the thing. This is a great thing to do on a summer afternoon in Michigan. It's a beautiful thing to do on a summer in Michigan. It's a beautiful afternoon. This, though, should not describe our relationship with Jesus. Just floating through life. Just drifting this should never happen in our lives. But sadly, too often, this describes our relationship with Jesus. Oh, we'll just see what happens. We'll just kind of see where we end up and kind of see where we go. Just drifting through life. And all throughout Scripture, I don't know if I'm going to have this on the whole time. All throughout the Scripture, there is this tendency to drift, to flow. You see it all throughout. The reading this week, I was reading uh, 2 Samuel 7. Uh, the story of David. It's this amazing story where, where David is being told by God, um, my, I'm making a covenant with you. Your kingdom is going to be an everlasting kingdom. I'm going to work through you. My Messiah, but Jesus is going to come through your line. 
It's this amazing promise to David in 2 Samuel 7. However, in three or four chapters later, in 2 Samuel 11, we see that it says in, key, in, the, in, in the spring, when kings would go off to war, David stayed home and sent his other people to go. The rest of 2 Samuel 7 details the affair that David had with Bathsheba. Just four chapters later, David had drifted in his relationship with God. So there's this tendency to drift all throughout Scripture. All throughout Scripture. Even in the New Testament, it talks about some have wandered from their faith. Some have shipwrecked their faith and wandered from the truth. And so we, as far as Jesus, should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought. But we should heed this warning that there is a tendency to drift when it comes to following Jesus. There's a tendency to get comfortable when following Jesus. There's a tendency to just kind of be like, okay, we're just going to do whatever. But the Jesus that we see, that we know, and there's one, is worthy of all of our devotion, all of our attention, paying close attention to who he is. Think, how are the ways that we drift today? How do we drift today? I want you to think in your life, in your relationship with Jesus. Think, how, how are the ways, what are those ways that you are uh, prone to drift or kind of prone to float through life? You know, what are those ways that we just kind of, kind of float in your relationship with Jesus? Here's the thing when it comes to drifting, I want to mention too before we get into those ways. The stinking thing about drifting and floating through life and why we fall into that is because it's so easy because it requires nothing. It just requires neglect. It just requires like, oh, I'm not going to do that. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves floating into the, the branches and stuck and like, ah, what happened? But we drift in our relationship with Jesus when I think we neglect to remember on a regular basis who we are. And I think this is very foundational. Every single day we have to remind ourselves of the truth that we see in Scripture that if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, it is no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. That you, through Christ, through the blood of Jesus, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That you are His son or daughter, that you belong to Him. I mean, when we forget to, to think about that, when we forget to, to focus on that truth and we kind of neglect who we are in Christ Jesus, <laughs> we tend to drift off and, and, and worry and different things come into our minds because we're like, ah... You know, I have this or that going in life, or I've heard this from somebody. We also drift when we neglect to understand who we are in Christ Jesus, and, and, and that comes as we focus on the truth of what we find in the Word. I think so often we drift in our lives and our relationship with Jesus when we, we neglect to spend time in God's Word, understanding who we are in Him and understanding who He is. We also drift when we neglect to focus on what we are to do. I think the big question that everybody asks in life, I know I asked it in college, sometimes still ask it, but it's this question of like, God, what is your will for my life? And I remember in college, it was like, when I asked that question of God, what is your will for my life? I was looking for something very specific to do. I was also asking, okay, God, what is your will for my life? Which translated, who am I going to marry? Where is she? All of these questions come into our minds and we're like, God, what is your will for my life? But scripture is very clear on what God's will is for your life. And in Matthew 28, before Jesus ascended to heaven, he said this. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you to do. God's will for your life and for my life is very simple. We are called to make disciples of Christ Jesus. 
to introduce them to Jesus, to disciple them, to tell them about the, the, the love that we have for Jesus and what we ourselves have learned. But so often in life, we, we drift and we, we float along and we neglect to focus on what we're all called to do. And that's all of us. That's all of us. And the beautiful thing is, like, we will all leave this place and go to different places. But we go as set people, set to, to do what God has called us to do and make disciples. And so your number one job at school, your number one job at work, your number one job when you go to the grocery store, your number one job wherever is to be like, okay, God, who do you want me to talk to? Is there anybody that you want me to share the hope that I found in you, Jesus, with? Yeah, do a good job at work, do a good job at school, but our number one job is to go make disciples. And I think we drift through life when we forget what we're called to do. We also drift through life when we neglect to focus on the, the realization that suffering will happen, suffering will come in life. I mean, that's what the, the people in Hebrews, they came across. They started, so they'd given their life to Jesus. They're like, okay, we're going to follow Jesus. But then persecution started happening. They were being excluded from things. They were, their businesses were taken from them. They were socially excluded. And so they're like, wow, this cost of following Jesus, this is, this is too high. I'm going to just go drift back to my old ways of doing things. The temple is still there. I can go back and, and, and go do my sacrifices and go do all of that in the temple and, and live a pretty calm and comfortable life. And so they drift away when suffering happens, when persecution happens. But Jesus promised us. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. But as followers of Jesus, we should come to expect that there will be suffering, that there will be difficult times. We also drift when we uh, really just lose sight of our anchor and the beauty and the glory of Jesus and who he is. In fact, hundreds of years ago, um, ships would, would put these big boulders into the, the sea as anchors. And I think what a beautiful picture of that. As Christ is our cornerstone, this big rock that would anchor a ship, you know, that is what we're to do every day of our lives, but too often we're caught up in the current of familiarity, saying, oh, I know who Jesus is, okay, whatever, I'm going to live my life. But we drift and we neglect to focus on the beauty, the glory, and the majesty of Jesus. The last thing I want to say is we drift, we drift when we take sin too lightly, when we neglect to focus on the power of sin. And it can start so, so small. James 1, 13 uh, through 15 says this up on the screen. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. The desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Sin starts as just a little temptation. Just a little thing in your life. But what does it lead to? It leads to sin and ultimately leads to death. And sin, as I've seen it in my life and I've seen it in other people's lives, sin will always take you further than you want to go. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. It just grows and grows and grows in your life. And it starts off just as a little small thing. Oh, it's just a little thing. It's not going to be that big of a deal. But it grows into something huge. And we drift in our relationship with Jesus when we neglect to focus and to re remind ourselves of the power of sin. Not to be afraid of it because it's covered on the cross, but just to recognize the consequences that it can bring up in our lives.
And so what are we to do? The writer of Hebrews is very clear. He says this, pay very close attention to what you have heard. Pay very close attention to what you have heard. I love that action. We have to be active in this and paying close attention. And here's the thing that I believe wholeheartedly. Only God can transform a heart. Only God can bring about change in our lives. Only God can save somebody. Only God can work in in someone's life, in our life, and in other people's lives. But we can put ourselves in a good position or good place for transformation to happen. We can give ourselves the best opportunity for transformation to happen in our lives. Put ourselves in those positions. And all throughout scripture, we see people who push through obstacles, who push through different things to get at the feet of Jesus so that they can be transformed by him. And this attitude that we are supposed to have in our lives is clearly seen in Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11, up on the screen. It says this, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds it. To the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you, then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? The attitude that we see in Matthew 7, the posture of our heart that is clear in this verse, is that we are to keep asking, keep seeking, keep pursuing the Lord, keep hungry after him, to keep our attention so focused on him. And he rewards that type of behavior. Not that we're working for our salvation. It's more of an attitude of, Jesus, I want you so bad, I'm going to pursue pursue you with all that I have because you gave everything that you had. And how do we do this? We focus on our great salvation. We just meditate on that and think about that. Think about all that we have received. I mean, too often I think we scurry past that, hurry past that. We're supposed to get lost, our minds focused on the great salvation that we have received. That's what it says in verse 3. Don't neglect our great salvation. Don't neglect that great salvation. That, that all of us were, were separated from God. We were enemies, children of wrath, deserving of, of hell, of eternal separation from God. But God threw it in his kindness. In his mercy sent his son Jesus to die the death that we deserve. And now we're reconciled to the Father. We're sons and daughters. We're given an inheritance. And the thing that we're supposed to do is just get lost in that over and over and over and over again. To meditate on that. To think about that. That's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. He says, pay very close attention to that. Problem is, in West Michigan, the people who like to do things are like, well, what do I have to do? And pondering and thinking, we don't think really produces anything. But as I close, I want to draw your attention to Joshua chapter 1. And I found this interesting the other day. Joshua chapter 1. It's the story of the Israelites going into the promised land. Moses had brought them through the desert, wandered the desert for 40 years. And Moses died in the desert. And here we see Joshua is given the task to go into the promised land. And there's going to be wars and battles and different issues that he was going to have to, to, to face. And God says this to him, in, uh, sorry, in Joshua 1, verse 6. It says, be strong and courageous to Joshua. 
For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded to you. Commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. And it says this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that it is written, but then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The key there is like meditate on it day and night. Meditate on it day and night. Focus on the law. Focus on what I have told you, Joshua, day and night. Then you will have success. Then you will be reminded of the task that I'm calling you to and the fact that I am with you and will be accomplishing this through you. Hebrews 13, verse 9 says this. Do not be led astray by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. It is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. So I think the thing that the Lord is calling us to do is to meditate on, on Him, on His great salvation. To be very active in that. To stay focused on who He is, what He's done in our lives. And what He's calling us to do is just to be really diligent in that so that we don't drift, so that we don't get tossed to the left or to the right. And as, that as we go throughout this afternoon, we're focused on what he has asked us to do because we're focused on him and pursuing him with all that we have. I want to close with a translation of this verse, Hebrews 2.1, because I think it just summarizes it really well. Now, you guys can come on up and get ready. It says this, Therefore, we must the more eagerly anchor our lives to the things that we have been taught lest the ship of life drift past the harbor of salvation and be wrecked and lost forever. And so I'm praying that in the midst of our world, in the midst of all that we have going on, that we would anchor the ship of our lives to Jesus, that we would do that regularly, that you would do that regularly, that maybe you haven't, have never done that in your life, that you would do that today, that today would be the day of salvation. And I know there are a number of things that, that cause us to worry, cause us to to focus on different things, cause us to, to stir in our souls. Um, as we transition to a time of worship, we sing a little bit more, focus our minds and our thoughts on, on the Lord.